Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Michelle Leslie. And tonight we've got a new feature for you that we hope that you'll love as much as our other features. Glad you asked. What would you do? the pew, and talk back. We're calling this one Potluck. And on these episodes, we're going to cover biblical mini topics that aren't really long enough for their own individual episodes and and don't fit into any of our other features. Yeah, right, Michelle. And I I don't know much about your church and and how you do things, but our small church has a potluck on the last Sunday of every month to celebrate birthdays, anniversaries, and just a fellowship with each other. And every family brings a, a main dish, a side, a dessert, or a beverage to share. And let me tell you, these folks can cook and bake. And uh, for some reason, it's the most well-attended of the month. I can't figure out why that is, but it's delicious. So so we hope uh, that tonight our potluck episodes will be equally as, uh, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe good or delicious, yummy? I don't know, but uh, edifying. How about that? (laughs) Nutritious. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, we do. We do potlucks at my church, too. We usually uh, here's here's the strategy that we use at my church on the days that we have members meetings. We'll have church and then we'll have potluck uh-huh. and then we'll have members meeting after that. So you don't have to try and go out and scramble for lunch. You know, you'll stay and and go to members meeting. And, and it's just a great day of fellowship. And and so we really enjoy that. And then uh, we do that for for Thanksgiving as well. You know, the um, everybody brings side dishes and desserts and whatnot. And so we just have a really good time with, with potlucks too. It's, it's just always a great time of fellowship. Yeah. Well, let's dig into some of those odds and ends and show them just what we mean. Amy, what did you bring? Well, a couple of topics. Um, I had a friend who is looking to start a women's Bible study. You know, not that her church doesn't have a women's study, but they oftentimes will study a book, you know, by a popular author. We've talked about this before, rather than uh, learn straight out of Scripture. But after listening to a few of our episodes on the state of women's ministry, and, you know, you and I, Michelle, when we talk about those things, um, she would like to give this a try, but they've never actually done this type of study before, or at least not as long as she's been there. And so she asked my advice on all of this. You know, how do you you even start to teach from the Bible? So I just want to start tonight off by saying how thrilled I am that she will be giving her ladies a full meal of nutritious scripture and helping to equip them in their church there to understand God's nature and character rather than just read about someone else's opinion or hear uh, that author's personal story. And the good news is that it's really not all that hard to teach right from the Bible. You don't need to be a theologian with years of experience. You can pick up the Bible and start with just any chapter or passage from a chapter and just do it. So um, I, I thought about this, and here are some things that uh, any any of us can do to get started. First, you're going to want to select a book of the Bible to study, and let the ladies know in advance that this is going to be a study in, say, the book of uh, Ruth or First John, for instance, and that they should come to their first session having read through that entire book of that study, not just the chapters, but the, the entire thing. And then once they settle in that first night or day, uh, you're going to want to set some ground rules. This is important. Uh, you're going to say something like, you know, we're going to start promptly at 6 p.m., so please try to arrive on time, take off your coat, say hello, find the restroom, get your coffee, whatever it is. And then uh, then you talk about the outline for the afternoon or evening and say, you know, we're going to 
to have a brief prayer and then dive in. And then we'll also have some prayer time at the end for lifting each other up during the week. And then we'll save our visiting for the end. And you know why we do that? You know why we set ground rules, Michelle, is because um, ladies like to talk and visit and gab and and uh, just, you know, just get into it. So uh, so we need to make sure that, you know, you're, you're not waiting to start until everybody gets there. Start right on time. Tell them you're going to start on time. And that way, uh, this any if anybody has to be late, they can sneak in and, and get settled quietly without disrupting. So that was always really important for us. Okay, then that first session is going to be mostly probably introduction. You're, you're uh, yes to each other. You're going to want to get to know each other a bit if you don't already. But then introduce the text, the chapter, the book. Who wrote this book? When was it written? Uh, what was going on at the time? And then does the author explain why he wrote this book? Context is important. So ladies, you're going to want to take your time here, even if you don't get to start lesson one right away. And you might have ladies who have never studied the Bible before. So that's why introducing the the historical part of this text is very important. So if you do get around to starting lesson one that same first day, you might start that first lesson, you know, either that first night or day, if not, but if you do, you may just want to do a a passage or part of that first chapter, chapter one. And what we do at our church is we go around the table and have each woman read a verse or two. Uh, You know, it's great to hear the different versions. Um, Some ladies might have a King James, others might have ESV, NASB, or another version, hoping no one is reading from the message or the passion or the voice. But if somebody does, you may want to take them aside later privately afterward and grab them a Bible, a word-for-word version. Um, give it to them if they don't already have one. And then for you, if you're uh, the facilitator or leader, you're going to want to prepare some guided questions. Uh, do that in advance and perhaps even pass around a sheet. They can be different sheets for each week, or um, maybe it's one sheet with the questions that they can use each time, however that works. But um, what you you don't want to do is ask, what does this mean to me? No, we don't want to do that first. (laughs) We want to start with observation. You can ask, okay, you've read the verses. What do these verses say? What can you see and observe? Observation is not what does the commentary say, or uh, what do the study footnotes say, or what does John MacArthur think? If you have a, a MacArthur study Bible, yes, those study notes are great, and they can be very insightful. But, you know, as much as we love them, John MacArthur or R.C. Sprawl, you know, we love learning from them, but they are not the Holy Spirit. We can share what they know eventually if we want to, just not during the observation time. And then some other questions you might ask that session is, is there a common theme that seems to be woven into this chapter? And if so, what is it? Uh, Or uh, you could also ask, what was one verse or section that convicted you or challenged you and why? Are there cross-references that I can share that would be helpful? Are there any other thoughts from your Bible notes or commentary? Here's where you can bring in, you know, uh, what somebody else might have, have noticed or what scholars say. Um, again, make sure that those are, are good commentaries. And then uh, you could also ask if there are instructions for Christians in this chapter, how can I apply them to my life or how can I become aligned with God's word? So that last part can be application. So again, there are all sorts of questions you might ask, but make sure they're not fill in the blank. You know, we, we want ladies to actually do the research and uh, make sure that they're sharing uh, what they've researched, not not anything that we want to manipulate them into doing. 
So, and that's my thoughts on how to start and carry through uh, facilitating a women's Bible study at your church or in a coffee shop. Michelle, what do you, what do you think? Did I miss anything? I don't think so. I think that was really great advice. And I would um, advise any of our listeners out there who are thinking of maybe starting a Bible study or something like that to just go back through and listen to everything you said nice and slowly and maybe take some notes and jot some things down like that. And then also, um, you know, you and I have both written Bible studies. And if you're if you're somebody who is really just first starting out, what you might want to do to sort of get the hang of what Amy's talking about is go over to Naomi's Table dot org. Is that right? Uh, NaomiesTable.com. I actually got a dot com dot for com. that one. Yes. <laughs> dot com. Go over to, that's Amy's uh, Bible study website, NaomiesTable.com, or go to my website, MichelleLeslie.com, and click on the Bible studies tab in the blue menu bar at the top of the page. Um, the the Those Bible studies will show you sort of what she's talking about, about the questions to come up with and, and the backgrounds and things like this. Um, at, at my website, I've got a number of tools that you can you can use to prepare. And then also my my Bible studies are sort of designed to be um, kind of like training wheels for if you've never if you've always used workbooks and and DVDs and whatnot for quote unquote Bible study and you're trying to transition to studying or teaching straight from the text of scripture, these are like training wheels to sort of uh, give you a learn by doing experience to show you yes. how to do it so that once you get the hang of it, you don't have to rely on my stuff anymore. You'll know how to do it yourself. So yeah. that's what uh, that's all I would add to that because uh, Amy Amy's got some really great stuff over there at Naomi's table and that'll show you exactly what she's talking about. So yeah, your stuff is awesome, Michelle. I really appreciate you having those out there. Training wheels are always good and, and we've all needed them. So that's true. Um, that's true. Amen. Nobody was born <laughs> knowing how to teach the Bible. So everybody starts That's somewhere. right. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, for, for my dish that I'd like to bring to the potluck here, my first dish, I would like to talk to our ladies about discipleship materials for your teenage daughter or teenage son, for that matter. Um, from time to time, I'll get an email or a social media question from a mom asking if I can recommend books or podcasts or other Christian media that's specifically aimed at teenage girls. I'm going to make this really easy for you moms out there. No, you do not have to waste your time scrambling around trying to find the needle in the haystack that is doctrinally sound content for teenagers. Because if you've ever tried to find that, you know it's practically non-existent. Yeah. Your teenager, I mean, you can even start at eight or nine as, as young as she demonstrates an interest. Your teenager, generally speaking, needs doctrinally sound material aimed at adults. That will help lead her to spiritual maturity. And if, you know, of course, in whatever media you choose, there might be an episode or a book or a chapter, an article, whatever, here and there along the way that deals with sexuality or some other specific topic that your child isn't ready for yet. But just generally speaking, for the most part, adult material. And then plus, you know, kids that age, and we remember when we were teenage, we were always wanting to do these adult things. And mom and dad always had to say no to, to a lot of those things. Well, this is, yeah. yeah, this is one adult thing that you can joyfully say yes to. Adult Christian podcasts, you know, and books and things like that. And also when you, when you say yes to the adult stuff, there are way more doctrinally sound options available for adults than the very few options that are aimed at teens. 
So, you know, listen to the podcast, read the book, read the blog together and discuss it. It'll give you some wonderful opportunities for discipling your child. And then also encourage your daughter. And and this is for you too, ladies, not to limit herself to women teachers and podcasters and so on, but to listen to and read godly men and pastors as well. I mean, y'all are listening to us. You know how hard it is to find doctrinally sound women to listen to. So don't don't cut those men out of the picture. There's some wonderful male pastors and teachers out there to, to listen to and read. So if you're looking for a good podcast for your teenage daughter, we would, of course, recommend that you start right here at A Word Fitly Spoken. Um, It always kind of makes me laugh a little bit when somebody writes to me and says, can you recommend a podcast? I'm like, yes, mine. (laughs) Um, And then on my blog, michellelesley.com, there's a section titled Blogs and Podcasts That I Follow. Uh, well, it's blogs and podcasts I follow, and it's in the uh, it's in the right sidebar and near the very bottom of the page as well. And I would recommend any of those folks' podcasts and other materials too. So, Amy, do you have any thoughts or podcasts besides ours that you'd like to recommend or anything like that? What do you think? Well, I'm really glad that you encouraged the ladies not to limit uh, yourself to uh, female teachers because there is so much wisdom in listening to um, the male teachers out there, and uh, and you just have to know which ones are uh, are biblically sound. So, if, and if you don't know, um, you know, make sure you do your research. And both Michelle and I have resources on ones that are are very very solid and and um, time tested. Oh, and speaking of that, um, don't be afraid to go to the uh, older generations as well, ladies, because uh, that yeah. there's wisdom there. You don't have to find a young 20-something to teach your 14-year-old daughter, right? You want to make sure that uh, that the women or the men who are, are in their earbuds or uh, at their fingertips in a book uh, actually have some seasoned experience with the Bible. You, you want to yeah. make sure that they know what they're talking about. Um, and I will say, too, that um, you, you might want to know who to avoid. Uh, there are so many book authors, mm-hmm. and, and especially when you talk uh, – like we were talking earlier about women's Bible studies, there are a lot of very popular, What you, you'll see them all over the, the Christian bookstore shelves. And I just want to go and turn some of those covers around because it, it's frightening what uh, what some people are picking out. Uh, and, and in my younger years, I did that too. I was looking for something splashy to give as a, a gift, you know, and, and I actually found a, a uh, I put it in bunny ears. A Bible for young girls that that looked like um, Seventeen magazine. It, it was it was horrible, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I I can't believe I actually. But but I was I don't even think I was saved yet. But I bought it for my niece or one of them, and uh, I'm very thankful she didn't read it. Although I wish she had read a real Bible. But anyway, that's I I digress. I'm kind of tired tonight, so as we record this, <laughs> but but uh, but yeah, just make sure that you know um, uh, whom to. To avoid it and and just do your research, do some reviews. Um, I, I'm really right at the moment, really liking uh, the men's Bible study that Steve Lawson uh, produces, and mm-hmm, he he's mm-hmm. incredible. And and he he makes no qualms about having women. You know, Lizzie goes, I know I've got a lot of women online who listen with their husbands, and and he's always glad to have us along. So um, very wonderful Bible studies that he does. Uh, but you know, any number of, of of men and women, we'll put some links in the uh, show notes too. Sounds like a good idea. 
Yeah. And, you know, one thing I do like to do is listen to podcasts or even, you know, just the audio Bible, getting that straight scripture in your ear. There's lots of audio Bibles out there. Um, you know, the, the ESV version is very good. Um, you know, and I, I, I do that at night at confession time here before I drift off to bed. I, I'll have, you know, either a, a podcast or a Bible in my ear, which leads me to another thing on my little potluck mind, habits and accountability. Uh, you know, I, I oftentimes think, Michelle, that we fall into some bad habits or even sin when we don't allow our brothers and sisters to speak into our lives. And here's where I'm going with this. Um, I, I don't know that we would do a whole show on accountability, so I thought I'd bring it to this potluck because maybe your church encourages accountability partners. I, I know our church has done that from time to time, and I think that's a good thing. And, and it does require transparency and a willingness to be honest about where you are struggling to walk worthy. So more about the podcasts in my ears in just a moment, because uh, when I think of holding each other accountable, I think of verses like Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, which says, iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens his friend's countenance. You know, accountability sounds a little scary when you think about it, uh, especially if you think of it as someone knowing too much about you or imposing their will or control over your own. Uh, but that's not really what accountability is all about. Think of accountability as more of encouragement and moral support from a husband or a friend who simply wants to join with you in fighting the battle against your flesh. And I think we need to ask our loved ones to help us. You know, sin is a powerful thing, and we all need all of the prayers and exhortations that we can get, I think. And, and that's why we're in this fight together as one body, brothers and sisters. Remember this, though, accountability partners aren't just there to blow sparkles and seashells at you. Sometimes they might need to rebuke you or teach you. And so I would just say, let them and listen to them. You know, Hebrews chapter 10 has a great couple of verses on this, uh, starting with, let us consider how we might spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So I recently, kind of circling back to my original point, uh, recently asked some ladies from our church to hold me accountable and help me as I try not to listen to or watch media right before bed. I'm, I'm having trouble, um, you know, with my sleep patterns uh, because I often wake up in the middle of the night because I'm old and it's so easy to just reach for my phone. It's right there on the nightstand. I, I should put it somewhere else. You know, I just want to see what time it is, right? But then I see that someone has tweeted or text, and there I am, not getting enough sleep, staring at screens. So listeners, I'm going to ask you this. If you ever see me post or tweet in the middle of the night, by all means, tell me to shut it off and go to sleep. <laughs> Anything to add, Michelle? Well, I will have to tell you the next morning because I won't be up in the middle of the night to tell you to go to sleep. But hopefully some, you know, insomniac listener will will catch you doing that and 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 or hopefully not, you know, maybe you won't do it anymore. That'll be good. 
Yeah, um, yeah. I'm working on this. So you've got a whole audience to keep you accountable on that now. <laughs> That's great. Maybe our, <laughs> our listeners over in Europe or somewhere like that where it's eight hours ahead or something. Oh, um, yeah. But okay. Yeah. Accountability <laughs> is so important. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons that God places us in a local church body. I know we beat yes. this drum all the time and we are going to continue to beat it until the cows come home. You've got to be a faithful, invested member of a doctrinally sound local church. You've got to be. You cannot go to church online, quote unquote. You watch an online service or a TV, a church service on TV. That's not going to church. That's watching other people go to church. Okay. So you've got to be, you've got to get in there. Church is not a spectator sport. You've got to get in there and get on the field and play. And this is one of the reasons, because we need that accountability of other brothers and sisters. You cannot be a Lone Ranger Christian. God didn't design you that way. God didn't design the church that way. God didn't design Christianity that way. You've got to be in fellowship and in discipleship with other Christians, because that's how we get sanctified. That's how we grow in holiness. That's how we help other people grow in holiness. I mean, if you're keeping yourself away from the church, if you're not being accountable to other people, then they're not being accountable to you either. And they need you. They need somebody to be accountable to. So let's just all roll up our sleeves and get in there together and, and do the work of sanctification together and hold one another accountable. It's so helpful. Uh, and and it's such a loving thing to do with our brothers and sisters. So uh, it really is, yeah. Well, my next uh, dish that I am bringing to the potluck here, uh, I am I'm in an adult Sunday school class, probably like a lot of you are, or maybe your church calls it. Bible study or adult Bible study. I kind of like the the new trend that a lot of churches are calling it calling Sunday school adult Bible study ABS because I oh. if we called it that at my church I could say hey I'm going to work on my ads today. <laughs> uh, what do we call it? Bible discovery hour. That's what. We oh, call that's ours, great. So, yeah, that's, yeah. It's not abs though, so I couldn't say I was going to work. No, <laughs> no, I, I lost those a long time ago. I'm afraid. <laughs> I still have them, but. Yeah. Anyway, enough about that. Um, so our church is is studying uh, Ecclesiastes in Sunday school right now. And I'll be honest, you know, I've read Ecclesiastes several times in my many trips through the Bible, reading through the Bible. So last year when it was announced that that was the next book we were going to study, I was like, oh, no, Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Solomon is such a whiner. Half the book is him going, Oh, I have so much money and power and wisdom and people to wait on me hand and foot and boo hoo hoo, poor little me, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. You know, you just want to reach through the pages and grab him by his little royal robes there and smack him a few good ones until he comes to his senses. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, I, I have issues, you know. Um, but anyway, we're. Well, I can hold you accountable. Yes, yeah, so you, you may like. need to hold me accountable. <laughs> There's. Well, let's just put it this way: there are some books that come easier to me than other books yeah. do in the Bible, and I'm sure that's true for everyone. And Ecclesiastes is not one of the ones that comes easily for me. At least, at least it hasn't up until now. But anyway, we are about to start on chapter three this coming Sunday, as as you and I are recording this, and it has really gotten me thinking about contentment and purpose. The reason Solomon is whining around all over the place is because he's he's looking for love in all the wrong places. 
he's oh, he's no. pouring his love into the things of this world women work wealth wisdom and wild times and they are not loving him back he's investing himself right. and his need for contentment and purpose into all these worldly things and they're not paying off and that's because they're not designed to there is nothing on this earth not a thing not a place not a person even your spouse or your children that's designed to supply your need to be content and fulfilled and purposeful you know, that line from that movie years ago, you complete me, you know, it, it might be a sweet yeah. little sentiment wrapped up in a, a shiny bow for a rom-com, but just tear off that wrapping paper and you'll find yourself holding an empty box. It's a lie. Nobody completes you. Jesus is the only one that you can pour your love into who will love you back in a life-giving, sustaining Way. And that's what Paul is talking about in Philippians 4. He says, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And what's that secret? He tells us, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can get through whatever comes my way because I have found my contentment in Christ. And that is a contentment that can never be shaken because it is in the eternal God himself. It's it's like this great song that I used to sing when my husband and I were in music ministry. The world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. Amy, you got anything to add? Amen, amen. Yeah, Ecclesiastes is is so interesting, Michelle, because our ladies' Bible study is in the book of Proverbs, and and so we're mm-hmm. learning about the early part of you know King Solomon's uh, wisdom and the, the advice that he gives to uh, his sons or the sons of the kingdom, and and he's trying to tell them, you know. Don't chase after uh, wicked the wicked right. woman. You know, uh, don't chase after sexual immorality. Uh, you'll you'll you know that leads to death, but wisdom leads to life, and wisdom is life giving. Right. And and so you have to wonder what happened. You know, he didn't right. uh, didn't take his own advice. He uh, ended up doing all the things that that he warned people against. So um, so it's it's very interesting. But uh, yeah, and that's the number one question I think our ladies had was why didn't he take his own advice why didn't he so um and to this day scholars can only can only guess that you know per- perhaps the uh the folly of the world was just too enticing and like you said he mm-hmm. he he looked for it and couldn't find it uh but the real treasure as he said earlier was uh is the wisdom is is seek after it right. and the bible commands us to seek after wisdom to ask for it and to look for it and to treasure it so um right. yeah very very encouraging on contentment well, you know what his problem was? He didn't have anybody to hold him accountable. That's what it was. Oh, yes. <laughs> of course. Why didn't I think? Yeah. See, a great lesson for oh, everybody tonight. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, well, I know we, that we've talked about um, 
discernment many, many times, Michelle. We, we're all about that, right? But my last little tidbit uh, for potluck has to do with reminding all of us that as these days get more and more insane, as we head into very tumultuous uh, political campaign seasons, I mean, aren't we always, right? We're, they just never stop. And, you know, and as technology is getting more advanced, as email scams are tricking more and more of us to click on what looks like something legitimate, it seems that we can be easily manipulated by people who want to push their version of the truth. And by the way, that's an oxymoron. Ladies, we know that there is only one truth, right? God is truth. His word is 100% true. Everything else in our lives, well, I just advise you to trust but verify or distrust and verify. Whatever the, Whenever a new idea comes along, ask yourself, how do we know that this is true? Am I being manipulated right now by a marketing or an advertising campaign or a video made with artificial intelligence? Whether something sounds outlandish or too good to be true, find other sources to look into. Wait to respond or to purchase or to share. And I I know I'm being vague here, but it's everywhere. I say this because every minute of every day, there are folks who are being deceived by master deceivers. And because we have instantaneous social media feedback, deception, even if it doesn't start on social media, once it gets there, can spread very, very quickly. I'm not asking you to be a conspiracy theorist. Just be wise. It's not sinful just to be a little bit skeptical. It's actually smart. People might be thinking, well, that's no way to live as a joy-filled Christian. Actually, it is. Two things can be true at once, right? Deception is nothing new under the sun. Even 2,000 years ago, Jesus had to warn his disciples, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. And instead of focusing on the deception, ladies, focus on the one who delivers us from it. We can find that balance between the dove and the serpent. We should strive to be gentle without being taken advantage of. We are aware of the tactics used by the enemy, but we rise above the fray and we remember how to live in the joy of the Lord by looking at whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And that's a worthy verse to remember from Philippians 4, 8. Michelle, any thoughts on that? Wow, what you're saying is just so true. I would, I would just, you know, I know, I know what people mean when they say, you know, that's like you said, that's no way to live as a, a joy filled Christian to, to be, they would feel like you have to be suspicious all the time and you don't have to. You just have to be wise and discerning. And that's what, what scripture calls us to be. I mean, it is not, it's not biblical or godly to be gullible. That's, that's not a fruit of the spirit, you know, gullibility. Um, and then I would just also say, uh, for, for ladies our age that have parents who are getting older and, or, you know, even, even people our same age that, um, maybe don't have a whole lot of experience with the internet and things like that, help those folks out because, you know, a lot of us grew up in an era where you didn't have to be so suspicious of everything. You know, you can, you could kind of take things at face value and you just can't do that anymore today. And we, we need to help our, our friends, our parents, our, um, you know, our loved ones who may not have as much experience being 
discerning about things like that. We need to help them and teach them and, and look out for them so that they don't get taken taken advantage of. We've we got to protect people who are more vulnerable and, and less experienced. So, Yeah, and there's a, a big difference between um, healthy skepticism and cynicism. Cynicism is an attitude of the heart that we, you know, that's yeah. that's actually lacking in joy, you know, if you're cynical all the time. But if you're skeptical about something that you've heard, that that's fine. That's being discerning. You just don't want the that to seep into your attitude and either be so cynical that that you're um, bitter or, you know, be a, being anxious and, and wringing your hands every time the news comes on. You know, we don't want to be like that either. We want to be, like you said, Michelle, we want to be wise and, and we want to be discerning and protective of other people who might not be. Right. And and I think hopeful too plays plays a part in that. Yes. You know, we want to hope a lot of the things that we hear, we want to hope that they're true. And it's okay to sort of hope that something is true, but still be wise and still hold it a little bit at arm's length and say, I'm going to research this a little bit more and find out exactly what the facts are. And then also just remember that a lot of the things that we hear we need to be using the Bible as our standard. Um, the Bible is 100% completely trustworthy. It is the only absolutely true standard out there that we can rely on 100%. So um, make sure on on things that uh, that call for comparison to Scripture that you are comparing things to rightly handled in context Scripture and that you're being discerning and wise and a good student of the Bible as well. Amen. All righty. And since this is our first episode of Potluck, how about this for our, our last little item here? Is it okay to call it potluck? Should we call it pot providence instead? I mean, is luck in that sense where it's just merely a colloquial expression? Is that really something that Christians need to freak out about like it's a cuss word? Well, I don't really think so. I mean, as Christians, we know that there's no such thing as luck. Luck right. is chaotic and capricious. God is sovereignly in control of everything that happens, even what people bring to the church potluck. Um, in fact, all the word potluck really means is that you never know what's going to show up on the table. It's like when Forrest Gump said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. He could have just as easily yeah. <laughs> said, life is like a church potluck. You never know what you're going to get. Can you believe that that movie is like 30 years old, Amy? Forrest Gump is like 30 years old. I can't, but I do know that um, the box of chocolates, if you flip it over, the bottom of the package tells you exactly what you're going to get, unlike the church potluck. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to, but some I get the cheap ones and they don't always have a little map that shows you what everything is. <laughs> so I guess I should invest more in the expensive chocolates. But you know, everybody everybody jokes about potluck and pot providence, but I think using the word potluck is really no big deal. It's just a word to describe a meal where everybody brings a dish, you know. Yeah. I, I agree, Michelle. I kind of it's kind of funny. I, and I hadn't really thought about our potluck episodes the same way of that I think of lucky, like lucky charms or whatever it is. Um, right. you know, like you said, God designed our fate according to his divine will. But I also know he designed potluck meals. So I guess we are okay using that vernacular. But if there's a better word for it, ladies, like bits and bobs or something like that, let's hear it. I, I kind of like potluck, but we'll see what everybody thinks about that. We always love to hear your feedback. <sighs> anyway, I, I think that's about going to wrap it up for this episode of A Word Fitly Spoken. What did you think? 
Did you like the dishes we brought to our first potluck? Be sure to stop by our Facebook, X, or Instagram page and leave us a comment. And while you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, if you love A Word Fitly Spoken, why not leave us a five-star rating and just some encouraging comment or two? We would love to hear what you're learning from A Word Fitly Spoken, and your ratings and comments help spread the word that there is solid biblical podcasts for women out there that won't give them fluff feels and false doctrine. And until next time, thanks for coming to our potluck. Now push back from the table and walk worthy. 